0: Hi, I'm Hang, and I'm Helen, and welcome to the High Key Asian Podcast,
1: a safe and open place where we can come together to discuss all things relevant to growing up and being Asian
0: in Australia. Whether you're at home, going for a run, driving to work, or on a bus or train, heading somewhere, we hope that you can hang tight and tune into this week's episode.
1: Hello guys, Hang and I are back it again and we are super excited for
0: this week's episode because it's extra special today Yes, for this week's episode we have our first guest ever uh, for high creation so please give a round of applause uh, to the wonderful founder and CEO of Just Shape and Sounds, the leading service for Asian Australian mental health and well being, Asami. Yay! Welcome, Asami! Thank you so much. How awesome that
2: I'm your first guest. I feel I feel very honored, and I'm going to be as like, guest like as possible,
0: <laughs> as professional it's, as it's possible. It is our honor. Honestly, we should be pouring you tea and everything. Like, I know, so just right? Start off. <laughs> Oh my god.
1: So uh, before we start, Hang and I want to disclaim that we are not mental health professionals and that we may discuss things during the interview that are purely just our opinions.
0: Yep. So Asami, just a little intro for us and our listeners. Could you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do and more specifically how it was like growing up Asian for you? Yeah, sure.
2: So hello everyone. Um, I'm Asami. I am the founder of Shapes and Sounds and... We are the leading voice for Asian Australian mental health and I started Shapes and Sounds after about five or six years working um, in the mental health sector, like in an acute crisis service. So, um, mm. you know, I've been a therapist for over 17 years. and working in like mental health and well-being and all that kind of stuff for 17 years, which is like a really long time. That's, that's (laughs)
0: incredible.
2: But that is amazing. Yeah, it's too long. It's too long. But you can't tell how (laughs) old I am
0: because
2: we're all Asian and we
0: don't really age. (laughs) I mean, you look like you're like still in your early 20s. So like, don't even, don't even, don't even worry. I'm just going to, I'm just going to remember that.
2: But um, Oh gosh, what was I saying? Oh Yes. So I spent like about five years working in an acute crisis service here in Melbourne. So really acute, like the very pointy end of mental health services, Um, actually working with people who, um, even like before gaining medication or gaining support for their mental health, so really, really unwell presentations. And Mm. in that service, um, and we were a big service in Melbourne, what I started to notice was every now and then an Asian person would turn up and um, it wasn't that common to see an Asian person. So I'd always be like, whoa, hey, yeah. how are you? You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being like way too <laughs> enthusiastic for a crisis service. But then what I started to notice was that these young people, these young Asian Australians were slipping through the cracks in our service delivery and Um, It was just really interesting to hear the difference between or to see their journeys through the mental health sector, the public mental health sector here. Mm. And I just remember this one young person, um, he was Chinese-Australian. He was born here. And he would say things like, I don't want to be a burden on the service and other people need more help than me. And then what I was really shocked by was the service that I was working for would be like, oh, he said that he was okay and he didn't want to like take up our resources. So we've allocated resources to another wow. person. And then I was like, I feel like you're really missing the cultural nuances. Like I would say many people from Asian cultures say things like, I don't mm. want to be a burden or, you know, yeah. I don't want to um, bother anyone. It, it is quite a cultural experience um, or trait that many Asian Australians have. And every time I would raise this, I'd be like, "Oh, look! I feel like this young Asian person is slipping through the cracks." The the answer would always be, "Let's increase the number of interpreters available in our service." But I was like, mm. "But I feel like these kids are speaking English. Like, like they yeah. were born here. <laughs> you know, like they're not. They don't need like a Mandarin <laughs> translator." Um, and so then, like, there was like a lot of chaos at that service, and a lot of people fell through the cracks and I burnt out mm. seeing that so I I left that job and like from my dark bedroom I just started like blogging <laughs> and writing about everything that I'd ah. seen yeah and writing on Instagram and just like like angrily yelling out into the universe you know of like oh my god how, mm. how dare they do this but then the conversation, interestingly, like gained quite a bit of traction and people were quite interested in this conversation. And a lot of Asian people reached out to me like, oh, I've noticed something similar or I really resonate with what you wrote about racism. And that's essentially how Shapes and Sounds came about. And one of the people wow. that reached out to me was Vian, who is currently our head of impact. She's a registered psychologist Um, With a history in management consultancy, and she's an organizational psychologist, but she does a lot of clinical one to one work with her clients as well. Right. And essentially, she came in, and you know, I was just like this creative like just writing nonsense and then V like really helped to structure us into a company and an organization and she taught me words like mission statement and value proposition I was like what is that but um yeah and so we created a company and um now excitingly this year we have eight people on our team um, and we run a whole range of different programs and have different resources as well but that
0: is that's a little bit about me and how Shapes and Sounds came about that's that's really like awesome because I, I feel like a lot of people can definitely relate to that in the sense of oh I feel bad like I feel such a burden against these people I don't want to ask for more help especially even for me I experienced that with like my work like I don't want to ask people for help, I don't want to interfere their current work or their busyness and when people say that it tends to be like oh I actually do need help Yeah. so um, seeing that you called that out and was just like no this is wrong like that's that's a really major step and honestly like seeing that you know you met Vian through that yeah. and it's created a community and an organization from that that's really amazing I feel like we definitely need that here. Yeah.
1: Mm. And I believe that everything happens for a reason the fact that you come from a space where you see these young people this minority where they needed that help but then they're apologizing to getting that help Mm. and then they are suggesting interpreters when you know in fact that that's not what they needed in the first place Mm -hmm. you just went out did your own thing and then lucky enough you met VN yeah Mm, and so now you have just shapes and sounds and um, the fact that you know some people think that eight people is um, quite small but for us hanging myself but it's only us two we know that wow you got a team of eight people that's That's a huge team that's a lot of people
2: i know right yeah Yeah, i'm the same i'm the same it's been (laughs) v and i for a good yeah almost two years now so it's like to go from two to eight i'm glad you're like,
0: whoa, because I'm I'm like, whoa, yeah, yeah, from me, (laughs) But then suddenly, yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Yeah, that's really good. That's that's incredible. (laughs) Could I ask, like, um, you becoming a therapist Mm. and working in that industry, what what made you start with that? Like, was it something in high school that you were like, oh, I want to be able to help people, I want to be able to help people's mental health? Like, how did that form? How did your passion form to go into that industry?
2: That's such a great, great question and I've been reflecting on this a lot because I would say that I'm actually quite an introverted human being and also like quite a selfish person. So the fact that I'm, I was drawn to like helping professions, it does kind of surprise me. But essentially what happened was in high school, um, I like had no idea what I wanted to do and I was a musician or I still am a, a creative and a musician. But every like they just kept telling me, why don't you go into music teaching? And I was like, what? I don't, I don't know. That's how, that does not sound like me at all. And I just spent like all this time fluffing around. And then I did really well at Year Twelve, and then I got into like science comm at Melbourne Uni. And then I was like, what? Like, what am I doing? And then around that time, my dad also left Australia, um, and moved to Japan and to like be with his second wife, um, or my stepmother I should say. And it was just like Mm. such a traumatic time because I was so lost and so confused that I I just like decided to um quit my quit uni and then move to India to like find myself. And How old were you? I was 18, so a ballsy
0: 18-year-old. We love that.
2: Yeah, I was literally <laughs> doing E.P.A. Love before Whoa. it was even a thing, and I was like, I was like, okay, yoga is the path. Like, I'm gonna become a spiritual person and work out, like, you know, who I am and help others who are lost. Because often when people are struggling, they don't want to support themselves. They want to go and help Help others. others. Yeah, it's always the case, right? (laughs) So um, in this pursuit, I was like, okay, I'm going to... As an 18-year-old, the only way that I knew how to, like, promote health and support people was like, oh, it must be through yoga and wellness, the wellness industry. So I Googled... um, yoga teacher training India and I literally like went to the first one that came up and I lived in India for I did a training live-in program for six months wow. and it was an incredible experience it was completely like not this um you know LA oh kind of yeah. vinyasa yoga it was nothing like that I actually got to study classical yoga which is fantastic wow. and um you know I learned about Hinduism and I I really got to learn yoga at the source which mm. I loved but that was like <laughs> that was a big thing in my life yeah. and then following that I went to Tokyo to teach because I'd felt like an outsider in Australia mm. for so long and that probably contributed a lot to like what do I even want to do with my life and um, like just not having that real grounded sense of yeah. identity which obviously my parents had probably really scaffolded mm. me um, so I went to Tokyo and I tried to work there for three years and And that was also very (laughs) hard because um, I didn't fit... Like, even though I'm 100% Japanese, my family's all Japanese, but I grew up here. I moved here when Mm -hmm. I was four. I grew up in Australia. So when I moved to Japan, it's like they know. They know you are from somewhere else. Like, it's such a homogenous society. And people would, like, they can even see. Mm -hmm. It's probably the way you do your hair, the way you do your makeup, the clothes that you wear. So I was like oh no, I don't actually fit in, in Tokyo as well. I was like, what am I going to do? I don't fit in anywhere. And so then, of course, that just like continually led me to explore identity and belonging um, and working on my own personal Mm. development to really gain a sense of grounding and like confidence in who Mm. I am. And in that process, I was like, oh, I really do actually, like music is a big part of my Mm -hmm. life. Like, I was just like, okay, everyone's telling me to forget music, like it's just a hobby or I have to become a music teacher. Nothing wrong with music teachers, but definitely not my personality. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this journey of like trying to reconnect with myself, I was like, no, music is very important. So I came back to Melbourne, studied a bachelor's of music. But as I was doing that, I heard about all these people playing music in hospitals and that it wasn't actually a volunteer role, but it was like, a therapeutic role. It was called music therapy, and I was like, Ooh. "This is it! <laughs> it's this this like, is wow, it! Wow, <laughs> music! <laughs> right? Like music and helping people." I was like, "Ding ding ding!" <laughs> so I did a master's of music therapy, and and then that's what led me to working in that um, acute space, ah. that crisis service. But yeah, it's been a long and winding journey. That's such a
0: that's such a crazy journey, like yeah. honestly, like I, like I'm sure everyone feels it as well when especially after you're 12 and after graduating from high school, you're in the sense of what am I doing with my life? Like what am yeah. I am I studying the right thing to become what I really want? What is it that I truly want? And it it takes a lot of courage to honestly just go out there just travel to India, do a six month whole session and just getting absorbed with all of that culture and that energy and really discovering yourself and understanding what you want. Like that's really brave and that's really bold. And honestly, I really respect you from that because it, it takes a lot of effort to do that as well. Um, and no, I, thank you, yeah, babe. like uh, it's, yeah. it's honestly, it honestly sounds like such an incredible journey. And um, it, it's really sad to hear that, you know, you still felt almost um like an outsider while you're in Japan despite being 100% Japanese like I'm sure me, me and Helen mm. can also experience that when we go to Vietnam with our parents you know all of the Vietnamese community can also tell that we're not Vietnamese born kids like all of a sudden and like we're like how how do you guys know um even yeah. though we look alike you know it's it's it's, it's a strange yeah. sort of um concept there
1: yeah it's what asami says it's um it's the way you dress it's the way you present yourself mm. and in vietnam they really like to be fair skin but as aussies we're like it's hot it's 30 degrees. we're gonna <laughs> exactly. wear shorts and t-shirts so then they know immediately that that we're exactly. not from yeah. vietnam um and they're so surprised when you speak vietnamese like for me personally they're like oh i don't expect you to speak so fluently yeah, wow. and uh, my mum like back then would force me <laughs> I'm appreciating now but back then I felt forced that I had to go Mm. to Vietnamese school but I'm so glad that I could actually speak to um other Vietnamese people and my aunts and uncles my grandparents too because I've learned a lot of their stories and Mm. their journey too um but that's yeah. So good. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, I we, we both yeah. feel what you felt when you went to Japan. Yeah. They, they they don't open arms to like accept you. They just they just think, "Oh, you're from
2: you're yeah. from Australia." And
1: yeah, and that, that's it.
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's hard, isn't it? Cuz then you're like, "Oh no, where do I fit in?" It? It, I think there was um someone in the Ooh. Winter Olympics and she was an ice skater. Yes, the Chinese. Yeah. yeah. And then like she got so much hate from like the Chinese audience because she was mm-hmm. ABC, right? But how like that? That just like was so heartbreaking to see. It that. is. But I love how like because she's yeah, she's so
1: young, but she has like that strong conviction of like no, this is what I choose to mm-hmm. be, and I choose mm-hmm. to represent China. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's like that same energy yeah. when you had when oh, you were 18. Gosh. I don't know what that was.
0: <laughs> it's, it's so ballsy. It was very bold. <laughs> I think now I could not Do it. <laughs> do it while you're young. You know, go through that identity crisis journey. You yeah. know. Um, just go for it Exactly, exactly. Um, And it's kind of almost went Almost like back to full circle Where you're like You know what I actually really do like music And like it's something that I want to continue to pursue And then you found your One and two Like therapy and music And put it together And it's like Oh wow this is like incredible. <laughs> A new whole like era That you can really appreciate And totally like um, Delve into And just make progress with that So it, it's it's all, it, it really was like Almost like fate yeah. Like it was all meant to be That whole journey That you went through That's true um, So that was incredible To listen to uh, thank you so much yeah. for sharing that with us. That was, that was amazing.
2: No, thank you.
1: <laughs> so we're going to um, go to the next question. Like, How do you think your perspective of mental health changed from when you were younger
2: compared to now as an adult? Yeah, it's interesting because... Um, you know how we talk a lot about how much stigma I- there is in Asian cultures around mental health, mm-hmm. but for me, I went to like a like a super duper white privileged school, and even back in the day, like it was like quite cool to have oh, a therapist. Okay.
1: Wow! Yeah,
2: an extra thing that that you did. Really? Yeah. So it's like it was like a fancy kind of thing. Like I and get my eyebrows waxed and then on Thursday
0: oh, it's like a little extra curricular activity kind exactly of thing, like. Cool. it's like a, another
2: self-care totally like a lot of like self-care I'll get a facial and I'll see my therapist and then I'll go to my Pilates class or <laughs> something like that right <laughs> that's kind of the image that it had I would say I didn't I didn't really have like so much stigma around seeing a psychologist I went to a psychologist mm um in that Mm. that period when I was 18 and my mum was the one that thankfully she was the one that helped me to find and like Mm. took me there and everything so I didn't have to worry about anything um so that was kind of the start so I don't think I ever felt like oh mental health is um taking care of your mental health and going to a psychologist Mm. is is not for me I never really thought that but I do remember even as a kid like the advice and And stuff that was shared with me through seeing like um you know like allied health professionals like psychologists it just didn't quite hit the mark it was there's always messages of like you have to be more confident you know like Mm. you're young and you're talented like you got to be more confident or you have to be really clear with your parents and communicate with them but i feel like oh but i don't really like that's Mm. not how we function in my family and like i The way that I think, well, I used to show confidence, it was quite different, or maybe I didn't even know that concept of confidence, you know? So already, like, from a young age, it was kind of bubbling up, like, oh, I feel like some things are really useful and other bits of info are really not useful. And then as I continued my studies in things like therapy, so music therapy is, of course, like, umbrellaed by the whole school of psychology and the theory of psychology, Um, because I was much older and wiser (laughs) luckily um, I started to think like oh isn't it interesting that all the research that has ever occurred comes from western countries it's incredibly Eurocentric so like how does this relate to Asian populations how does this relate to like my Japanese family Um, and all of these kinds of questions started to emerge so then I think all of these bits and then seeing things play out in practice in real time in acute situations shaped my
0: idea of mental health that that's kind of the journey right yeah I totally agree with that because I feel like there's a lot of gaps in mental health that's they there's not it's not out there for Asians at least I feel like as well like you know the way we confront our parents it's not as simple as like hi can we talk it's, it's a lot harder than yeah. that that a lot of kids go through especially and it's not as easy to say oh just be confident like
1: No, it's like so many boundaries because it's like I have to respect (laughs) them first before I can talk to them. But when is that a good time to actually talk to them? You know?
2: Yeah.
0: Totally. Yeah. Like it takes a lot of strength and energy to actually like go through that. Mm. So for you to be able to identify, hey, wait, there's something weird about. There's something Mm. weird going about on. There's like there's these cracks in the middle of these education that we're taught with, and there's different ways to tackle it except but we're taught like this certain way to tackle it so it's conflicting yeah it is yeah. conflicting
2: hey like
0: and like i think a lot yeah. of people
2: get feedback from work as well like i'll oh, just be more confident at work but i don't know it's like it's a bit different like the way we're showing our skills it's different
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah like teach me how to sir like that's not how i do it yeah <laughs> yeah it's hard to break that habit especially
1: the way that we were raised and then suddenly they expect us to act a Mm. certain way but it's like no this is not how my mum taught Mm. me to be but it's like putting different masks on yeah work and this is how I have to act at home totally totally Um, yeah yeah I just find it really interesting that when you're in high school your therapist is very open yeah (laughs) to talk about because because for us if we heard someone who was meeting a therapist or psychologist we would be like oh what's wrong with Mm. them? you know it's like it's such a taboo Mm. yeah uh, yeah and especially if it's within my family if i heard that my cousin had to go through a psychologist like it would my auntie would be very mm. shameful about it um, yeah so
2: yeah yeah interesting. <laughs> interesting interesting right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's such an interesting yeah. like so many different experiences and i think like all of these kind of messages that we picked up when we were kids yeah really impacts how we take care of it ourselves now right yeah. yeah i'm really glad that
0: your mum took you through to the psychologist and all that stuff it's it's very like respectful of her as well like that's yeah. that's really incredible yeah. so i i liked that um she mm. she normalized that for you as well so that was cool yeah. that's true yeah very grateful yeah. for that
1: very forward thinking too
0: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> it's like she knew what your future was was gonna do so she took you there early. <laughs> yeah yeah so nip it in the bud
1: because <laughs> if you think about it if you're unwell and you know our parents would take us to the doctor but what if we're not well mentally you know like why mm. can't we mm. um, get that helped and supported mm.
2: yeah we have a long way to go that's so true <laughs>
1: The Asian yeah. community
2: yeah and i think it's always really interesting to think like um so i always go and see an acupuncturist mm-hmm. and you know how in traditional chinese medicine like every organ relates to an emotion yes. or you know they're always talking about don't worry so much it and won't affect your, your liver you, or your liver. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> or like you're so angry your liver is flaring up like I find it really interesting that there is so much talk about emotions Mm. and so much talk about Mm. your mental state. But I think that the way many, many Asian cultures talk about it is quite different to the West. Like the West is really like you've got your body and you've got your brain. But Asian cultures are like, actually, it's all the same. Mm. So then when parents are sort of um, like they don't really want Mm. to talk about mental health, for me, I'm like, I kind of get it because – it doesn't mean that you don't want to talk about mental health, but you are talking about this with a whole different vocabulary and a whole different language. And then like us as kids, like we learn words like anxiety and dysregulation and then we're like trying to (laughs) tell our parents and older family members. But if we use language that's more like aligned with, with how they Mm. talk about distress, then I feel like
0: we can communicate more, but that's, you know, that's my broader thing. <laughs> that's that's actually a really good point because, like, the language that we speak with our parents, it almost causes a barrier between our communication mm. with them. Yeah. Uh, like, the, I don't think my mom understands what anxiety yeah. is if I tried to translate that to her. So, being able to word it in a way where she could understand it from the way that she was brought up, maybe that's a better way to approach it. So, I really liked that point. Totally. It was that's a really good. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I yeah. was just thinking when you you said that, I was like, how would I actually talk to my parents if I'm really sad? or like depressed how would I actually what's the word for it like we, yeah it's not really available like we weren't raised to know what depression is <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah.
1: all they can say if we're sad like my parents would say oh don't cry here eat this fruit you'll be fine you
0: know feed <laughs> yes. food that's how they do it yeah yeah food, food
1: yeah. <laughs> don't cry you make me sad and you're just like oh no if I'm sad yeah, you're yeah. sad
2: oh it's like yeah <laughs> then you're like okay and
0: then you eat the food right <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, gosh. oh my gosh um you know we we had we had a message from a listener the other day where they were saying that they were struggling with their um identity of being Asian as well mm-hmm. and so they were wondering on what what the world needs for us to overcome those type of struggles and me and Helen's response was honestly we just need to educate each other Raise share awareness. more stories be yeah. more open about more it more conversations but, yeah, yeah I mean yeah. yeah. Was there anything else on your ends that would be able to help kind of create that progress or speed up that progress of some sort?
2: Yeah, I completely agree with you both. It's It's the sharing of stories that you do on your mm. podcast and, you know, all the other amazing Asian Australian mm. podcasts out there and us kind of collaborating and... Really allowing us to dive into the nuances of our own identities. Like
0: um,
2: I think we always get bracketed as like, oh, you know, anyone with an East Asian face is Chinese, like straight away right. Yeah. (laughs) We're just like so sick and tired of being. There's more of us out there, guys. Like come on. (laughs) We're very, very diverse. So if we all kind of step into exploring our own histories and our own Mm. diversity and our own unique cultural identity Mm. um and creating community like um in mental health we always talk about how healing always occurs in relationship with other human beings Mm, so you actually need to connect with other people to feel better um if you're struggling um, mo- many of us avoid um, I'm an avoidance, like I just want to keep to myself but actually your greatest change and your greatest growth comes when you are in relationship with other yeah. humans so by creating portals of places where people can connect mm. and I think even online as well mm. that's, it's so important for us as a community to feel strong together and to feel safe together oh,
0: too. I, I, I loved that line so much because it just means a lot because I feel like a lot of us are shut off from whenever some sort of conflict happens in our life but if we can reach out to other people it mm. makes such a big difference like for example in your case where you were this mad teenager about uh you know like why isn't there much therapy yeah. why isn't the Asians getting much representation in therapy blah, blah blah um and then just having that as your core and get getting so much attention and then being able to have this startup created as a result like that's that that just goes to show that it, it really does come with the relationship to you build and um be with
2: That's so true. It's all about the people
0: that
1: you are connected Mm, to. Yeah. So Asami, we've seen some of your amazing projects that you and your team have worked on.
2: What are some of your favourite ones so far? Yeah, so we've got two main things and they're both I, I don't know which one They're both better. amazing. They're all amazing. <laughs> both <great>. I <laughs> yeah. love them both. I'm just going to tell you about both of them. So first is the Asian Australian Mental Health Practitioner mm. List. And that's just literally yeah. a list of Asian psychologists and mental health, pra- um, mental health social workers. So anyone under the rebate system. And people use that as a way to find a therapist of a similar cultural background as them so yep. they can... So they know that the person they're talking to has some kind of understanding about like what it means to be Asian, how that impacts your Mm. mental health. Um, So we love that. We love the psychologists on the list and we we run things like peer supervision to support them because um, like we have to support the mental health practitioners. V and I are mental health practitioners. So we know that there is so much burnout, especially during COVID. Um, for the practitioners so we really want to support them and nurture that side of the equation and then we have our shapes and sounds club which is our membership program and that's the one that's starting on april 1st but that's like the place where people go to normalize conversations about mental health and Actually, what we found was that many people discover the links between their culture and their mental health by joining the Shapes and Sounds mm. Club. It's like a lot of us think, oh, yeah, there's something about being Asian over here, and I like my Asian-Australian identity, and then I'm thinking about mental health. But we essentially marry those two or create the intersection of those mm. two, and we support people through, um, like, Zoom sessions, through online moderated discussions we've got heaps of therapists in there all the time um but we're definitely really proud of those two programs that's really great those
0: are those are some really good programs yeah i i especially remember the first time as i said uh when we started this call before um when i first discovered you via google (laughs) um and and the first thing i saw was this Asian practitioner list, and I was just like, and I linked it to Helen straight away, and I was like, Helen, look at this, there's, there's actually so many people that can actually help us, or help all of the people around us that we didn't even know of, like, we didn't mm-hmm. even know it existed, so having that list and being able to create that community, and as well as not even that, I, I really liked how you, you not only create the support for the people out there, but you create the support for the practitioners as well, because... I, I can imagine yeah. the burnout and the exhaustion that they go through with the work that they do and how heavy mm. it must be for them as well. So that's, I, I love how that you not only support the people out there, but you support them as well. Yeah. And just, um yeah, that, that membership program, I can, I can, I I just know it will do well. I, I, I just, I know it will succeed in Out There Everywhere. Like, we'll definitely give a shout out for it when it comes out as well. Like, it's, uh these <laughs> oh, these oh, just sound both. so yeah. amazing. Like, I love these
2: projects you're doing. It's awesome. Oh, thank you for your support. Mm. That, that means a lot.
1: Because <laughs> like with that list of practitioners, it's like it's very important mm. to find someone that you really connect with and understand, because you're you're opening a very vulnerable side to yourself. Mm. Um, so the fact that you don't have to explain that, oh, I have an ethnic father, you know, they would already know. Mm. So you don't have to go yeah. through that explanation. It saves a lot of time and yeah. uh, for them to quickly understand. And uh, because as I don't know Asians, it's a lot of pent up frustrations yeah. so yeah yeah right that it's, list.
0: <laughs> it's awesome yeah
1: it's,
2: it's yeah it's like not essentially guaranteed right but mm. just because they're of a similar cultural background that they're going to be a good therapist but I think that for many people mm. it's definitely like a barrier yeah. you know when you see a whole list of psychologists and no one looks like yeah. you and then you're like, oh, yeah. exactly. Like, how am I supposed to talk about my, you know, my Japanese mm. father to these people? Like, how are they ever going to understand yeah. that concept?
0: <laughs> agree, agree. I think yeah. it's, a, it's it's like a natural gravitation towards people who either have like mm. similar surnames to us or similar cultures to us and all. Uh, like, for example, uh, when my dad had a stroke earlier last year, and fortunately, the doctor was um of an Asian background and he was asking me, like, what happened and all. And for, for me to explain what happened, I had to explain how stubborn my dad (laughs) as an Asian dad and like when I said that like my dad was really something he understood it straight away and even that just gave me like oh like thank god like I don't I don't sound like like weird saying this like it was just like oh there was that sense of like oh we can relate to each other so um yeah yeah, having that practitioner list where people can see like oh like we can go to these people that um might be able to understand us a lot better than the western practitioners that's really great yeah you're so right someone you're trying to explain like a family dynamic
2: Mm -hmm. and like imagine to that doctor and you're like, well, actually, like in Vietnamese cultures like this happens, yeah. you're like, I don't have time for this conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <right> exactly.
0: <laughs> wow, that's
2: awesome to hear, though, that that doctor was so switched on.
0: Yeah, he was, he was honestly really great. So yeah. it's, it's great that you have that list there as well, public for everyone.
1: okay what advices can you give to our listeners when it comes to taking care of our mental health as well as the resources and services just shapes and sounds can provide
2: i think one piece of advice that um yeah this kind of talking platform can provide is like being silenced is a big big part of um of like the asian experience in general the asian diaspora experience Mm. there's a lot of writing about this in asian american cultures as well but that everything that happens to us is like dismissed or made invisible or like silenced or like no one really cares and and it's so easy to Mm. internalize that you know it's so easy for us to to believe that especially when you've grown up in the west and you've had this messaging directed at you all Mm. the time like you think that that's normal so my mental health advice begins with like like imagine if um your experiences were real which they are but you're like imagine if you just said oh my god my feelings are real and I deserve to take whatever action I feel is is right you know rather than being like oh no that Mm -hmm. didn't happen like gaslighting and microaggressions Mm. are so common for Asians that we continually brush things aside and like, oh, that didn't happen. But all of that lasts as trauma in your body and it dysregulates you and it makes you unwell over time. So Mm. just taking a moment to be like, actually, that was a really shitty experience. And I'm going to follow up. I'm going to follow up with that (laughs) person or I'm going to report it to my manager. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say something. And that is really scary and that's really hard and often what will happen is you'll just get gaslit even more and then you'll go home and feel awful so then what's important is to have this sense Mm -hmm. of community to listen to podcasts like your podcasts and to know that other people are experiencing similar things um yeah finding people in your life that you can trust and really share and be vulnerable with knowing that maybe they won't understand but they won't say oh that's nothing don't worry about it like someone that will just listen like find your good people right um and if you don't have those people i'll just plug this but come and join us in the shapes and sounds club yeah. like, you know like that's yeah. where it is yeah. <laughs> that's what those people are and um like there are lots of people like myself i grew up in a very very white neighborhood i literally had no asian friends until i was like what like 20 or something <laughs> So, there are lots of people like that. And then for people like us, like the Shapes and Sounds Club is like, wow, there are so yeah. many Asians. <laughs> and like, we've all had similar experiences. Everyone's had a different, um, you know, upbringing and comes from different cultures. But often, what's really sad, but also beautiful, is that it's the struggles mm. that we share. It's the, it's kind of the experiences of racism that we share. And being able to, for the first time, feel validated in that um, can actually be really impactful
0: and life-changing yeah. for me. Uh, yeah. Like, you word everything so, like, beautifully and, like, it's just like, <laughs> oh my god, how did you, how did you write my story, like, vocally like that? Like, what? Like, oh my god. That was, that was, that was amazing to hear. Like, I, I just felt like you just took part of my story and just put it out there because really? yeah. Um, yeah, because there are just so many times where, I, I mean, Helen would know as well, where I feel like my feelings aren't relevant. Like, I feel like I be like mm. oh I shouldn't feel this way because there's so many other people going through harder stuff. I shouldn't feel this way because I should suck it up because my mum taught me to suck it up growing up. Like why why am I like you know making yeah. myself look like a sad... you minimize it yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. I really like there's there's like there's a common theme that you've been kind of preaching throughout this um, podcast is that you mm. you you really put the significance on people and it's like being mm. connecting with the people around you, um, with the community around you, the people around you, like that's really important to be able to kind of like make sure that you know that your feelings are valid, that the stories out there are real, mm. that your 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 feelings are true, that none of them is fake, none of them is a lie. Um I really liked that emphasis put on that because like even mm. for me, like during my toughest times I always reach out to my closest friends and family to just talk about my feelings and what I'm going through. And it just makes me feel like so much better. As a person as well so yeah. that's definitely um that's definitely really great i i did want to ask since you said that you lived in um mm. a mostly white neighborhood did you feel that you ever wanted to be less asian and more white or did you ever have that conflict growing up yeah 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 that was a huge part of my story <laughs> which i forgot to include <laughs> in the start
2: but most definitely most definitely and um like, I didn't learn Japanese as a kid, which I completely regret now, but, um, you know, like my parents actually moved to Australia. They, they, you know, they chose to leave Japan and they chose to leave the economic boom mm. at the time to get away from that real rigidity and, like, Japan has a mm. lot of problems too and, um, you know, to get away from that salaryman life and to, to live this free and easy, right, so-called Aussie right. lifestyle so then I think as a kid I really internalized like being Mm. Japanese is not a good Mm. thing that the whiter you can be the more successful your your life is and the the better I can pretend at being white the better my life is and that was reinforced all the time right because
0: you were physically
1: removed (laughs) from your like actual country of birth and like it I guess it impacted you like why did I move from that country and so, you know, way, yeah. you make that story or your parents reinforced it. It's like, no, this is better for you. This is why we moved. And,
2: yeah. Yeah. It's like, mm. it's like, I get it. It's like, it is like, I'm very grateful for this Western life, but it's like, yeah, I think as a kid, it's hard to digest. No, right? yeah. In like yeah. a non-developed brain, yeah.
1: <laughs> You just accept what's <laughs> taught and like given to you. Yeah, yeah. You don't really think about it more. Exactly.
0: Ah oh, gosh, that was incredible. So we finally do want to end our interview um, and ask you more of a high key Asian question. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like, as you mentioned, a lot of us growing up, we were kind of silenced and almost just like taught to just stay down, stay quiet, stay away from all mm. the big chaos because we don't want to cause trouble. Um, The reason why we called ourselves Hayaki Asian was because we wanted to be the opposite of that More vocal, more open um, Normalising Asian culture in this world that we live in um so I guess the, the question we had was you know can you share with our listeners what was your most proudest moment of being Asian or I mean in other words what was your most high-key Asian moment when did you feel most proud of being Asian oh wow oh my god
2: <laughs>
0: it, it is a loaded question I'm sorry I'm sorry I put it out there <laughs> no no
2: no I love it I love the question so much um I would say definitely making shapes and sounds and building what we have over the last two years and a half like I always thought that being Asian was the like the reason why I could never be successful could never amount to anything I really thought that and then I just like turned that on its head it's like being Asian is the reason why I can contribute to the Asian Australian yeah. community and um, that makes me incredibly proud and to meet so many incredible Asian Australians like yourselves like just telling stories and um, connecting with people and seeing that my experiences like although unique are not like they actually <laughs> <Yeah>. happened <laughs> my experience is real um, and I think like I feel really proud because um, I feel really connected to a lot more people now I, I don't think I felt like really safe with people or really like I can be myself and nowadays um, I'm very proud because I just am my Normal, weird
0: self. <laughs> I, love yeah. that. so and I love that. It
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: for you, and you're proud of it, and that's amazing. You know, yeah. 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 You don't have to Just like act in a that. very um, polite way where like you expected from your parents. Nah, this is me. This is who yeah. I am.
0: <laughs> Take it or leave it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I'm sure every one of us loves that. Everyone of us loves the platform that you created and all these amazing campaigns that you've made as well, just connecting and bringing all of us together. So well. it's absolutely incredible. And we're, we're so, we're, as we said, we're so honored to just like had interview you here. Like it's, it's great. Like we love that. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> yeah. Thank you both. And thank you both for the work that you do. Like I know it, it's, so time consuming but please keep it up <laughs> thank because you. it's so important.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. So like uh, before we go, do you want to let our listeners know mm-hmm. like
2: where to find your social media of things? Sure. Or you- um our website is just shapes and sounds so don't forget like the just forget <laughs> the just um, just shapes and sounds and all our our handles on social media are at just shapes and sounds and probably the most active that we are is on Instagram or we just a TikTok, but oh. we're, but you can find <laughs> us there too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Hopefully I can see you do a TikTok dance on there. Yeah, like, love to yeah. do that.
2: <laughs> maybe I have to, maybe I have to do a dance to get my likes up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll join you in that, we'll join you in that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my gosh, oh, I love that. Um, so thank you for listening to this episode and we hope that you enjoyed it yeah
1: thank you asami for being part of this week's episode. Uh, we're so grateful to have this opportunity to hear about you and your company um, journey as well as contributing and um, having that drive to improve uh, Australian Asians mental health and well-being. Um, so yay, thank uh, you. Thank you both. Thank you so yay. much. Guest. We absolutely yay. love that. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> very honoured. Thank you both for having me. If you guys were able to relate to anything we've said or have a story yourself that you want to share, feel free to let us know via our Instagram at Hi.keAsian and our other socials as well as Just Shapes and Sounds will be linked in the description box of this episode. Also,
1: feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify if you would like to stay in touch with our upcoming episodes. We hope to catch you guys next time.
0: Thanks again and bye. Thank you so much, you guys. See you soon.